brave servants now, number 71, all hail King Jesus.
support. We realize that this is one of the last remaining televised um, religious worship services with music and sermon and study. We want to remind you of our uh, 8.30 Bible study, 8.30 Bible study, and we begin promptly at 9.15 or so on Sunday morning to go to 10.15, and another congregation utilizes our facilities to gather much younger congregations. So we trust that you continue to pray for us at, at all of that church here in Robbinsdale and in Jayhawk and, and the gathering. Circulating a, a letter from uh, a very faithful, faithful um, follower um, all the way out to California, Paul Peterson, for circulating that letter and the hope to that you sign it and thank him for his support and his prayers. And I spoke just a few minutes ago to Chris Larson, who going to be here today, but they have their um, the Legion Riders. I'm a part of the Legion Riders also, and they have their omelet breakfast today, omelet breakfast till noon, and I believe a few of us are probably going to be going over there immediately following our worship service. And then at two this afternoon, we're going to be reconvening and, and decorating the church for, um, for our Christmas holiday season. So again, we want to Thank all of us for joining us by television or radio or YouTube or Facebook. And a you know, number of people that really appreciated the fact that they can get to the worship service uh, video, um, pictures, and, and voice and audio um, on their cell phone. Now, that's, that's just miraculous. And I just want to thank Bob and, and the techies that make that possible. Gary and all who had to step forward to make sure that this is television. Um, televised, and we want to give the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God, all the glory and honor and praise this morning. As always, um, our opening hymn is Rejoice, Rejoice in Pure and Heart, Purple, number 160, verses 1, 3, and 5, the honor and glory of the anniversary of Kurt and Linda Cotto, who also is supportive of our church and their retired Southern Mary's got heard for many years served as a trustee and financial um, chair and treasurer and many many duties that actually grew up with Kurt in in um, Eagle Van Claris area. We kind of drifted apart for some probably um, 50, 60 years and when I was reappointed here, uh, little did I realize that he was going to be writing the checks. Let us turn now to our opening hymn, Rejoice, Pure Nard, Purple Number 160, verses 1, 3, and 5.
for all the thoughts and prayers for our dark side, our whole charity.
pray for Hope, Jerry, Gabriel, Nash, and Brenner. We pray for their family, Dan, Gabriel, and Michael, and Elaine. Pray for the many families by way of television that may be under that tremendous curse of cancer. We pray for deliverance in the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ. Thank you for Martha being with us today. Pray for the Thompson family and other families that are struggling with separation and other issues in life. Cleanse us, O oh God, of fear, of self-will, of childish desires, and open our minds and hearts so that in a such measure as we are able, we may comprehend and trust the working of that goodness in us. We pray, Father, that you open the scripture, Matthew, Luke, Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 9, that reminds us that when we hear of promotions, we are not to be terrified. That these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. We pray for these and other needs. Thankful for the faithful support of our television station and our radio stations, Facebook and YouTube, and other means of communicating the word. And we thank you for the input and the tremendous prayer support that we receive. We thank you for the financial support. We pray all this in thy name as thou hast challenging us to pray our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, our scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 9, which just um, follows the teaching where Jesus blessed the, the utilization and the stewardship of the widow's mind. So join me with, join with me now as you return to Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 9, please. May God bless the meeting and hearing his word. Signs and persecutions. Now, they asked Jesus, much as you and I are asking Jesus today, teacher Jesus, when will this be and what shall be the sign that this is about to take place? And Jesus said, Beware. Say it with me. Beware. Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time is near. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. Say it with me. Do not be terrified. For these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But 
great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the angel you just spoke of in Jerusalem built to honor our mighty God. This was no ordinary structure. It was obviously built by a warner God. The structure was first and originally used inspiration from the built for Almighty God and started by a driver wall. It remodeled and expanded by the Roman student. Eric remodeled by the enormous 36 acres in size. The temple was part of the first Jewish life. That people formed would wear oral garments and speaking negatively would be considered blasphemy. That's how big the deal was like. It was only bigger and was beautiful. It was covered with gold layers. Where there wasn't gold, there was pure white marble. It's interesting the location of these works by each was spoken at the temple when he was addressing his disciples. Jesus prophesied that they would come with not one stone would be left upon another. The prophecy became true when Rome drafted the Jewish rebellion in 70 AD. The temple was along with the city of Jerusalem for a third time by Roman action. Solomon had built the first temple. Temple and was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC. When the Jews returned from the captivity of Babylonia, they built the second temple, temple, which Herod tore down in 20 BC. This made room for the temple that the disciples were not admiring. Herod's temple already was under construction for 46 years, according to John 20. It wasn't completed until 63 AD. It was nonetheless magnificent. It is set on the promises of Jerusalem, which itself is spoken of on a moment. During the Jewish rebellion, the survivors fled to the temple, assuming safety. According to legend, when the soldiers had learned of this, one of the drunken soldiers went and started a fire at the temple. The gold plate melted between the stones in this fire. And to recover it, the green Romans went and smashed every stone apart to get to the goal. Our lesson from Jesus here is that things made or crafted by human hands are temporary. Tempor tempor they, they may be here, they may come, and they may also go. But now, God has a new temple, one that cannot be destroyed. Right in our hearts. When we get faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that's where the temple is, that's where you reside. You don't have to go to the godly building now to worship him. He's right here with us. The disciples were shocked by what Jesus said about the temple's destruction and asked him what will happen. Jesus told them not to be led astray by Potter and others claim to be the Lord. Don't follow them because they're not. We can also take that the people claiming to be political and military besides for Israel are not so. We continue saying that there will be war and rumors of war. When there is, the end, his return will be very near. 
it's like many times, you know, I always see the such beautiful churches, even rural churches, that um, I've never really been so concerned about the, the, the arrangement of the church, but the, the inside and the spirit of holiness is proceeds from the pulpit and the pews and the prayer. But we read that some some wanted to get on the good side of Jesus and, and said how it was adorned with goodly, goodly stones and, and, and gifts. And they praised its facility for its outward, its outward beauty. And they um, admired its size, its particular grandeur and, and, and its costly decorations. I remember taking a group to the Vatican and, and how the Catholics um, were just awestruck by the facility of the Vatican. Protestants were probably more impressed with what was in Israel. But they met with no response, no response from our Lord Jesus. We read that Jesus said, as for these things, as for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another, and shall not be thrown down. Now these these words were striking prophecy. Prophecy. How strange and startling they must have sounded to the Jewish ears. And you know, we've been blessed with such a beautiful sanctuary, you know, people want to use the facility for weddings and the, the gathering and the jayhawks, and they just so appreciate the, that we're hosting them and, and, you know, without them, you know, our existence would be very difficult. Sharing the, the cost of heating and lighting, it, it's amazing. I could go into a or leave a room without shutting the lights off, and I know you do the same, concerned about stewardship. They were spoken of a building which every Israelite regarded with almost an idolatry veneration. They venerated that, that temple. They were, they were spoken of a building which, which contained the ark and essence the building which enclosed the ark, the holy of holies, and the symbolic furniture formed on a pattern was given by God himself, and you can look at Deuteronomy and Leviticus and the beauty of the structure. They were spoken of as a building associated with most of the, the principal names in Jewish history. There, there was the name of David and his articles, of Solomon and Hezekiah, Josiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah. They were spoken of as a building toward which every, every devout Jew turned their face in every quarter of the world when they offered up their daily, their daily, daily prayers. But they were words spoken unadvisedly. They were spoken in order to teach us the mighty truth that the true glory of a place of worship does not consist in outward outward ornament as first Samuel reminds us that the Lord seeth not as a human seeth as a man and a 
Man looketh at the outward appearance of a building, but the Lord looks for spiritual worship. For spiritual worship. Because it's scripture and tradition and reason and experience. That's why I am so committed to if we can't reform a body such as the denomination we're looking at, we need to leave it. For the Lord looks for spiritual worship and the presence of the Holy Spirit, of tradition, of reason and experience, and primarily scripture. That in the temple of Jerusalem, these things were, were utterly, they were wanting. And therefore, Jesus Christ could not take no pleasure. No pleasure in it. Professing Christians. Professing Christians will do well to remember our Lord's words in, in the present day that we live in. It's, it's, it's meet and it's right beyond doubt that, that buildings are set apart for Christian worship should be worthy of its purpose for which they are used. During my ministry, I met many people and always have to inquire where they worship, people worship, and, and some people, probably more on the liberal, progressive side, will say, oh, they'll give me the address. And they talk more about a building rather than a, than a body. I trust that when you consider our church, you're considering a body of believers that are meeting and regardless of the, the number and the quantity that you look to the quality. The house in which the gospel is preached and, and the word of God is read in prayer, prayer is offered up, ought to lack nothing that can make it comely and, and substantial. It is meet and right beyond doubt that buildings are set apart for Christian worship should be worthy of the purpose in which they are used. But it, be it, let it never be forgotten that the material part of a Christian church is by far the least important part of it. We'll be decorating our church here in, in a few hours. And it always kind of grieves me when we have to put away the Christmas attire because it kind of adds to the celebration of the season and the birth of Christ. The joy that people see by way of television, how the church inside is transformed. The fairest combinations of marble and stone and wood and painted glass are, are really worthless in God's sight. Unless, unless there is truth. Truth in the pulpit. Truth in the pew. Discipleship in the pulpit. Discipleship in the pew and grace in the congregation. The dens and the caves in which the early Christians used to meet. And I've been in many of those dens and many of those caves. And, and off to the sides, they created remains and skulls and bones of saints are still laden in those dens and caves in which the early Christians used to we're probably far more beautiful in the eyes of Christ than the noblest cathedral that was ever reared. 
temple in which the Lord Jesus delighted most is a broken and a contrite heart. The temple of your body. I've been asked to speak in many of the churches that I've served in the local high schools. And I always try to remind the students that their body is the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You shouldn't do drugs. You shouldn't do sex. Your body is the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple in which the Lord delights most is a broken and a contrite heart. A contrite heart which is renewed by the Holy Ghost. And let us notice for another thing in this passage of Scripture, our Lord Jesus Christ solemn warning against deception. We can deceive ourselves. There's a lot of deception within the religious body. Warning against deception. Jesus' striking words about the temple drew from his disciples that a very important question. It may be a question that you are asking now. That, Master, when shall these things be? And what would be the sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And our Lord's reply to that question was very long. It was very full and very thorough. And it began with a pointed caution that take heed. Take heed that ye be not deceived. The position which this caution occupies is very remarkable. It, it stands in the forefront of a prophecy of vast extent and universal importance to all followers of Christ and Christians. A prophecy reaching from the day in which it was delivered to the, the day of the second advent. Next Sunday, we'll have the beginning, and some have stepped forward and said, yeah, I want to be a part of the worship service and the lighting of the Advent wreath. We commemorate not only the first coming of Christ, but his second coming also. It's a day of a second Advent, a prophecy revealing matters of the most tremendous interest both to Jews and, and the Gentiles, and a prophecy of which a large portion remains to be fulfilled. And the very first sentence of this wondrous prophecy is a caution against deception. Deception. Take heed that you be not deceived. The necessity of this caution has been continually proved, proved in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ. On no subject, perhaps, have Divines made so many mistakes as the interpretation of unfulfilled prophecies. On the subject, have they shown so completely the weakness of, of our intellect and, and confirmed so thoroughly the, the, the words of Paul when Paul spoke to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, that we see through a glass darkly and now we know only in part. Dogmatism, positiveness, controversial bitterness, obstinacy, and maintaining unattainable positions, rash assertions and speculations have so often brought discredit on the whole subject of the, the prophetic scriptures. 
the prophetic scriptures and cause the enemies of Christianity to be blasphemed. There are only too many books on prophetic, prophetic interpretations and on the title pages of which might be just written. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Father, this morning, help us to learn from our Lord's warning words to pray for a humble, a teachable spirit, that whenever we open the pages of unfulfilled prophecy, here, if anywhere, we, we need the heart of a little child in the, in the prayer, open thou my eyes, the psalmist. Let us beware on the one side of that lazy indifference which turns away from all prophetic scripture on account of its difficulty. And let us beware on the other side of that dogmatical and arrogant spirit which makes man forget that they are students. We are all students and we need to talk confidently as they were prophets themselves. And above all, let us read and the prophetic scriptures with a thorough conviction, a thorough conviction that the study carries with it a blessing and that more light may be expected on it every year. The promise remains in full force. Blessed. Blessed is the one that readeth. And at the time of the end, the vision shall be unsealed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and those by way of television and radio and Facebook and YouTube and other means of communication, you can say this very simple prayer. ABCs of salvation, and A, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and hope that the few that need to be believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to see confessing as our Lord and Savior. With every head bowed, let us confess this morning. Jesus, I am a sinner. Saved by your grace. Come to my heart and life. Be my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you. Let me not be terrified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let us turn now into our offertory prayer as the ushers come forward this morning. If you join me in the offertory prayer put into your bulletins this morning, Almighty Creator God, we humbly bring our gifts to you this day. On Calvary's cross, your Son redefined for the world what it meant to rule, what it meant to be a king. In his life, teaching and interacting with people, Jesus redefined what it means to give in a way that pleases God. May we in this season live and give in a way that reflects the reign over us and the one who lives within us. In the exalted name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let us turn now to the operatory prayer to God be the glory. Purple, number 98, please. <laughs>
chaos of the world around us catches our attention and we neglect the inner journey that keeps us closer to you. And as we set aside this time to bring our gifts to you, may you draw our attention back to the wisdom and the guidance you have set before us in thy word, and may it lead us to an endurance that will carry us to the kingdom's presence. In Christ's name we pray. And we ask your blessing upon the Legion omelet for Chris, who is grieved when he can't be with us. He's with the Legion riders at breakfast. May we support them in our thoughts and our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom to you.